This is Coda Radio, episode 411 for April 26, 2021. Hello and welcome in to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business, software development, and the world of technology. This episode is brought to you by Cloud Guru. You know, Cloud Guru has Cloud Playground, Azure, AWS, or Google's Cloud sandboxes on their credit card, ACG's credit card, not your credit card, theirs. Get certified, get hired, get learning at cloudguru.com. My name is Chris, and joining us all set up on his brand new Windows-powered machine, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. I see you're trying to bait me. (laughs) Actually, I did have to get bailed out to this show 40 minutes late by the M1 MacBook Air, and therefore I have prepared, I actually prepared this song before, but it's even colder now. Okay. Just like my hero, Dean Martin, we do have a brief musical intro. Chris, can you drum me in or something? That's the production quality you've all come to expect. Do re mi Intel sucks. Okay, here we go. Imagine there's no M1. It's impossible to try. No bull below us. Not above us. Only Evo. And you need to know a lot about processor architectures available today to understand that joke. But uh, basically... It's not an awesome time to be Intel. Mm. I think Soundboard Mike said it best. What do you got, a vape pen there? I think you're nuts. (laughs) I just spent um, roughly $2,400 on another ThinkPad, so. What? Boom. You could have got an iPad Pro for that money. (laughs) Well, it turns out that I'm doing a disturbing amount of .NET these days. I've kind of been keeping it secret under the Python stuff, but that never stopped. And, well, Chris... There's a time in every young man's life. I mean, I'm, what, oh, hold on. We got to back up before you go too far. $2,400 on a ThinkPad. Like, what did you get? Did you get something super sweet? Me? Never. I always go for low-end machines. Uh-huh. So what is this thing? Well, it might be. In a hypothetical world that definitely is not legally actionable, it might be the newest X1 Carbon. Oh. Basically maxed out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good call. Yeah. The one with Windows on it? Indeed. Oh, so you got the Gen 9 then. That's nice, because the Linux version is Gen 8 only still. I, oh, did I get the Gen 9? Chris, if I could have paid another 1000 I would have gotten the Gen 10. I mean, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> right. What are you? Hi, hang on. I got the receipt right here. $2,443.86, if you're going to be a little bitch about it. The part number, for those of you who are going to be assholes, is 20XW003GUS. Are there any other questions? In fact, you know what? Let's just go down this whole bill of materials because I didn't do any show prep. I7? I5? What? All right, you're just f***ing with me now, right? <laughs> well, I'm mean, I just wondering how committed you are to this. You know what? My little brother is staying with me for a couple weeks. He showed me an I5 machine. Yeah. I poured a PBR on top of it in front of him while he was trying to save his homework, to teach him a lesson. You got to make sure that you pass on wisdom when you can. That's right. That is a fictional story for, for any attorney's assistants who are listening. Yeah, that's not, Mike does not actually abuse his brother. <laughs> Mike has some actual problems. Uh, no, this is, of course, an 11th gen i7, 2.8 gigahertz, but turbo's up to 4.7. At that point, I don't think you can actually hold it on your lap, but hey. Windows 10 Pro, because WSL is the best distro of Linux. Um, I did not go for the touchscreen, even though I said I was going to, for reasons of battery life. 
16 gigs, which I still think is an inadequate amount of memory, but yeah, one terabyte, blah, 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 PCIe, Intel Iris graphics. Yeah, Intel, you'll still never be as good as the M1 and you should just go cry and like cut yourself. I don't know. The Intel 11th gen like Z graphics are a big improvement. It's a huge leap over the 10th gen. I mean, they're still Intel graphics, but they're way better. They still suck. Oh, and I will say $260 of this. We're buying their special USB-C QHD IPS monitor and docking station because I'm psychotic. You must be expecting you're going to be spending some serious time on this machine working on something. Uh, this is going to be my full-time machine for the next nine months. Ooh. And the other Lenovo is going to one of my employees because we somehow, when I say somehow, gather around, children. Let me tell you a story about the days before Diablo rose. Stay a while and listen. Somebody got really frustrated with Linux drivers. Who is this, you? <laughs> no, no, this is a uh. theoretical warrior in Tristel, Trizial, wherever the hell Diablo takes place. You know, tell with Diablo. It's World of Warcraft. There was a gnome. He was mad about Linux drivers. He was a mage. You know, he, he had some girl troubles, you know, but he was trying real hard. He gave everything he had to Objective-C. This is, again, a fictional character. Right. Sounds made up completely. He was swiftly struck down. See what I did there? Uh-huh. And then he went to the dark side. He went deep, deep into the core, the dot .NET core. <laughs> okay. Secretly, he was still talking to nature, to the pythons, to the vipers, to the pythons. And yet, slowly, the influence of that deep dot .NET core got to him. Then he came out, finding he had no mana, no gold, no rubies, and no crystal meth to sell. Have you uh, have you heard of, I think it's Zamarin? Have you heard of this? I think you're going to like this. No, it's called Maui these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is actually. <laughs> it really, and now it's for all platforms. He looked at .NET and said, this is truly a dark sorcery. But version one, bad. Version two, terrible. Version three, questionable ethics. Version four, unforeseen consequences. Version 5, the guilt of what we've done. But version 6, this time will be different. So it goes with version 6, this completely fictional gnome named Mikhail mm-hmm. sold a bunch of .network because he's insane. I mean, because he's a very good advisor. I see. I see. So this is a complicated World of Warcraft plotline. I got to say, it's probably one of the more complicated ones I've ever heard of. But essentially, I guess this character who's totally made up and fictional, Michael, uh, he is just feeling good about .NET 6 and decided, let's go out there and tell some people we can do this. And then somebody, what happened to somebody bit? I'm not sure that he's feeling good. <laughs> I would okay. describe this more as he was in a low place. <laughs> you know his his, uh, his rupees were down, and a I don't want to say void demon. You could say Microsoft, but I would say void demon, or maybe I don't know um, principality from hell. Maybe if you know your Catholic school, came to him and said, "But my son, imagine using one language that is awfully familiar to C sharp. If you remember the old uh, Coco API." And writing everything. And also, you've been doing this for years. But this time, just sign this little contract. It's an open source agreement. It'll be fine. The hissing was weird. I felt like the snake jazz was a little much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Mikhail felt the snake jazz so much. Somehow, 
within 36 hours, he solved his booking problems. Uh, you know, this Mikhail guy, he's probably responsible for a lot of stuff. You know, I hear he spills drinks all the time on other people's laptops, not even his own, but other people's laptops that are definitely not his. Well, again, in this deeply hypothetical world, the questionable morality of someone who would make a deal with the, the .NET core demons, obviously that takes a toll on you psychologically. I can see that. So how do you recover? What do you do? Alcoholism, of course. I mean, it's- Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, that should take care of it. That's problem solved right there. Now, do you feel like maybe you and I should just dispense some advice after this? Because <laughs> we got some emails into the show. <laughs> Damn, let's just give them some great advice. <laughs> All right. So um, Anonymous writes in. That's the spirit. Yep. Uh, my last contract job gave me a laptop and all my home office stuff. It's been over six months now, and they don't seem to want the laptop back. I started using the second display, but been thinking maybe I should image the laptop and start loading Linux on it. It's not mine, but the company doesn't seem to want it. And so I followed up. I sent him an email. I said, are you really sure they don't want it? And his response to me was, when I was on my way out the door, they said, we'll contact you probably in the future, but we never collected the laptop from the last guy. And then they sent him on his way with the laptop. And he says the company buys him in three-year leases. And so it's like, you know, almost on its second, it's on the second year of a three-year lease. And he's wondering if, should he, what should he do with this laptop? Should he just leave it in his closet and wait for the phone call? Should he call them up and say, hey, I got this laptop. Are you sure you're never going to collect this thing? Which they would almost inevitably say, oh yeah, of course, send it to us. Or should he try to back it up somehow, image it, and start using it as like a test machine? What, what would you do? <clears throat> I, again, I need, I need Mr. Kane. <laughs> Good thing he's here. Stay a while and listen. <laughs> so I want to recite for you, let's just say with some generous edits, the story of Aladdin, a young man from somewhere in the desert. I really don't know. Let's just say Baghdad. And he uh, got a laptop from his then employer. They didn't care for six months. He wrote some IP on it. And then they're like, well, technically that's our machine. We own the IP. That laptop goes in a special box where top men take care of it. If you, again, Indiana Jones, right? Do not touch it. Do not use it. Do not format it. You put it in a little box and you never, ever touch it. Oh, really? Hmm. Buy your own. Here's the thing. And I think this is being colored because I have had this happen to me several times. Uh, you know, like work provided machine or client provided machine or or whatever, a review unit. And I, I sent them an email saying, like, I'm ready to send it back you know, give me the shipping label and it'll be off. And I never hear from them and I'll follow up and I never hear from them. And it just sits there. And I always think to myself, I should be doing something with that. I have a machine here right now that I need to send back. And it's that same situation. And I think to myself, I should do something with that. But then I feel guilty and I'm like, I can't, I can't even just play around with it because you know, it's not mine. If you work hard on your own IP and let's forget if you're an open source IP, whatever, but actually you still have the same concern. You don't want that stupid liability because you wouldn't spend $1,000 or even use the laptop you have at home. Not worth it. It's never worth it. Put it in a box. Forget about it like the One Ring of Sauron. Hang on now. I'm going to be invisible for a few minutes. You know, he may just want to use it for uh, learning GNOME 40. Maybe he's not writing any apps. Maybe he's not doing... Don't format it because that's their data. You do nothing. Don't touch it. Treat it like the angry nun at Catholic school that was kind of hot, but you... you, you 
Oh, this is Mikhail talking again. You can tell he's got a slightly different voice, you know, different cadence too. So you could t- I could totally tell. I'm glad you're back. No, I'm no, now it's Mike. So I'm glad Mike's back because Mike was just telling us that was Mikhail. So obviously Mike's back now. Uh, I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, but th- seriously, do you know what? I don't agree with you, Chris. He should do nothing. No, you're right. You're no, you're absolutely right. You're saying the right things. I just I know where he's at, but I, I think you're probably right. And if they don't want to, if they don't want it back, how nice of a computer could it actually be? <laughs> well, they leased it, and they're really forking over the leasing company but that leasing company also would have rights to anything on the laptop so it, it this is a this is a ugh, no you're just tripping into a hornet's nest don't touch it what's the statute of limitations though five years go by and this thing's still in his closet at what point does it just say you know what i'm gonna clone this hard drive or i'm just gonna physically remove the hard drive and put a new hard drive blank disc in i'll put this one on the shelf and i'm gonna start using it like at what point? What's the statute of limitations on this? I mean, at that point, you have a five-year-old machine. You've put a new hard drive in at your expense. You could just buy a new laptop and get a much better machine. I mean, that's like silly fraud, right? Like that's- you're right. You know, yeah, okay. So there's really no way around it. I, I would, what I would probably do then is I would get a hold of them again and remind them once again and just get this thing out of here. Which is what I always actually end up doing. Is I always just end up playing the email game. Tag, you're it. You know that kind of thing. I put them in cold storage. Because that's very scary for them. But we could talk about that later. I mean, Mikhail puts them in cold storage. Right. You would never. We got an update from Matt. Now, you might not remember Matt, but Matt, uh, he had uh, he had a tale of woe, and you had one piece of advice for him. Get a hobby. And you told him to get a hobby. Did I? <laughs> Matt, Matt wrote in, Good day, Mike and Chris. I wrote in a little while ago, lamenting over my current situation with work, feeling like I'm in a rut and having lost my motivation for it. And yes, Mike was right. It's mostly SharePoint I work with. So one point to him. Stop right there. Stop right there. There was a very important part of that sentence. Mike was right. Listeners, you know it's a clip. You know what it is. Mike got lucky. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what they're going to clip. You son of a... No, you, you did totally call that it was SharePoint. I remember that. And I remember agreeing with you at the time. Uh, he also thanks everybody who wrote in to kind of uh, chat with him a little bit via the show. I love this. I love that. I'm really glad that Matt wrote in and gave us an update, too, because I was wondering how he was doing. He says, I guess I had lost my way a little bit. I'd essentially automated myself out of having to babysit the systems that I supported. And, well, everything just works. Sure, I'd have the standard monthly stuff to get done, like updates and patching. But it all basically just tells me when there's something I need to care about. And you're right. And when you guys are right, you are right. Hobbies is where it's at. Some time ago, I tried to get into Rust development and wrote an RSS alerter to watch feeds and get a notification using pushover when it contains certain keywords. That was fun, but I wanted to turn it into a desktop GUI application. And, well, I just kind of gave up at that point. The closest I got was using GTKRS, but it just felt clunky and it seemed like half the time some of the GTK bindings weren't really even working yet. It's more than half, but yeah. Savage. You burned, GTKRS. You burned. He says, I decided to properly give Python a go. For some reason, I've avoided it in the past, but it's been really fun. Python has been around for so long, there seems to be an answer to just about everything. I'm currently using OpenCV to do a bunch of stuff, and it's been awesome. At some point, I'll return to Rust because I have an idea for an app that will probably make me about 75 a year. I think he's trying to go for that uh, Thalia there. But also, it's mostly because Rust seems to have a pretty big future. Thanks again. Love your work, Matt. Super, super big thank you, Matt, for taking the time to write in and follow up on how you're doing. And I hope things continue in that direction for you. And uh, when you do write that app that's going to make you $75,000 to win that Thaleo, you let us know. I think he meant $75. <laughs> Still nobody's claimed it yet. Hang on. We're betting a rope here. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. 
These are precious items now. It's your problem. You're the idiot who said he was to make robes. So. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. For anyone who can make more than $10,000 U.S. living in the United States with a job on a desktop Linux app, I will buy you a robe. There you go. I think this is a third robe bet. And let me tell you something. This is like betting on the Chicago, uh, the Chicago fans here. We don't want to do that, but. We're doing robe future tradings is what we're doing right now. We're doing robe futures. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a bunch of Slack messages from you saying, I'm never going to do this again. This was a goddamn nightmare. What the? By the way, I enjoyed my beer this afternoon. Oh, yeah? In your stein? At 10 in the morning. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The only silver lining on the robe is I have gotten my game down. We have taken like 300 orders now through the Jupiter garage. And we're shipping stuff out nearly daily. And it's we're rocking it. That Lup Stein, that Linux Unplugged Stein, that's some quality stuff there. I know. I know. It's great. I feel like the robe was kind of your alpha. And I'm a little pissed off, actually. Yeah, well, it was like it was like literally jumping into the deep end. And what I... What I didn't appreciate, too, is that supply chains have been screwed up this year as well, which I now I have a sense of. And, and now I have an idea of, like, what companies to work with and which ones to avoid. But I, that was just all new territory to me before. Uh, no, but I think, I think it's time for some hashtag robe justice. <laughs> is, that like, is that like mob justice, but for robes? It's all of the Coder Radio robed people are going to march on Lady Jeeps. Now, good thing she's mobile, because that's going to be very hard for us. <laughs> I better get like a push bar on the front so I can just mow people down. And we're going to just throw Lupsteins at you. That's the plan. <laughs> I've sold, get this, two network-attached storages in five days. Wow. Through the Jupiter Garage store. Uh, a free NAS, and then Alex sold a uh, Helios arm device. Why? Because what I've done is, I've so I set up like this garage sale concept, and I'm selling out all of the old swag archives that we have, because we still have stuff from the old shows, like Lass and stuff, that are like really valuable, and that I, I thought... This is my opportunity to learn how to do fulfillment domestically and internationally with items I already have in stock that I'd like to clear out to make room for future inventory. Any real basic swag? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Just with Lunduke's face on it and like the real basic I was, logo. <laughs> I was. Oh, that was, that's you, not me. Thou shalt not I, I, dunk on other JB hosts. I, I know where you were going with that. <laughs> oh, my God. Mike has some feelings about what are real programming platforms and what are. But, you know, like it really worked out as a, as a clever way to to do it with something that we already had that meant because what I feel what I realized is I need to be in more control of the fulfillment. That's that was the biggest mistake here. And so but I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I don't have any idea how to figure out how to things build things for shipping. We're figuring all of that now and we're we're doing we're doing a pretty good job of it. So I'm I feel like that's the silver lining of the robe outcome is that like as a business now, which we don't talk about super often on that side, but as as a business, we're starting to take it a lot more seriously and we've started to get our game figured out and dialed in and so like the moment we put stuff up, this, the free NAS sold in three minutes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Alex's NAS sold in 20 minutes. The swag bags, the moment I put them up on the garage, they sell. And, you know, these are just like random swag bags of, of like stickers and sometimes shirts and just hook a brother up. Yeah, okay, yeah, I will make a note. Uh, I sh- totally should. 
and I'm also putting like uh, postcards in there with like a little thank you note on there because sometimes people leave little notes in their orders. And that whole thing, it's been like the last three weeks that I've been doing this. That whole thing has been every lesson I, I got burned on the robe, I took and I applied to this system that we're doing. One of the whole rooms in the studio has been completely transformed into like a swag bag a ship and package operation room. It's it's funny. I have a trailer that's been transformed into something too. Me and my good friend Walter are really just <laughs> breaking it out. It was. I I hope I hope it means now that as a business, I've got my S figured out, and it's something like I can just now execute on a regular basis and not have these huge cockups like before. I have so many questions. <laughs> How do you not screw up the trademarks all the time? Like that is my Achilles heel. I get hammered on trademarks. West Payne says he confirms the, their studio is now a post office extension. <laughs> do you guys get a pension? Wait, do you guys get like a federal pension now? You hire a thousand monkeys as your lawyer, and then one of the monkeys gets it right. You know, I often think I don't have a very good lawyer. <laughs> I gotta tell. <laughs> a good lawyer, really. That's something like when I was younger, I thought was not a good thing to spend money on. And now that I'm older, I feel like that was that was a that was a key part in getting the company to go independent again. And all of that was a good legal team. Because I'm getting like I'm supposed to be doing those uh, coder name I can't say. Yeah, it turns out there's a company with the same name and wasn't too thrilled. A couple other employees happened to listen to JB. You know, I'd never worked with lawyers at the scale I worked with. I had, I think at one point, I don't, I, I think I can say, I think at one point three or four, I think it might have been four lawyers working for me uh, to, and I've never done anything like that where I've actually had a whole team. And uh, that is extremely expensive, you know, um, like pay it off for a very long time kind of expensive. But uh, they are they were very, very thorough, extremely thorough and very helpful. And I realized it was it was essential to getting everything, for, you know, to bas- basically rebooting a business from something that was merged to then be independent again and re-separating out all the IP and all of that was just this massive task. And to show some teeth that like you couldn't just get rolled. Well, there's that, and 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 not to speak for uh, the other party, but the other party really isn't interested in dealing with some guy. You know, there it's it's a legal team on their side too, and that's they're more interested in interfacing with lawyers directly. That's just how they prefer to do it too, and they make sure all the bases are covered. So, we're, <laughs> yeah. So I guess it kind of makes me now I kind of laugh because I was gonna say this next email is about a super expensive item, but then when I think about it in the terms of my lawyer bill. Uh, this is a teeny tiny drop in the bucket with this. So Michael writes in. No, it's actually listener Michael writes in. And he's following up on your your kind of re- request for feedback on the AirPod Maxes. Get this. And this is kind of an unfortunate thing, but it, it led – the silver lining is he sent us an email. He says – uh, I had to fly, unfortunately, um, from California to Texas for a family emergency the same day that episode 410 was released, last week's episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He says, uh, um, a day ahead of the trip, I purchased the AirPod Maxes. Or how do you say it? I purchased AirPod Max. I'm not sure how. No, I, I thought it was plural. Isn't it not plural? They always say AirPod or iPhone. They never say, I don't know. But, but there's two. All right, whatever. Let's just move on. It's stupid. But it's stupid. It's, a, it's when you read it out loud, you're like, how am I actually supposed to say this? Also, side note, often a trip is a just is my justification for getting a new piece of gear as well. <laughs> so I'm right there with you on that one, Michael. <laughs> so he decided to buy himself the AirPod Maxes uh, or AirPods Max. That's probably how you say it, right? AirPods Max to enjoy a bubble as, of tranquility, he says. Uh, hoping that maybe uh, the fellow passengers around him were not creating a tube of death. The sound isolation, he has to say, on the AirPod Maxes was totally canceled out 
100% of the airplane noise. I didn't find it particularly hot or uncomfortable, didn't really cause any sweat accumulation over the couple of hours of usage. California to Texas is what? Two and a half, three hour flight? It was my first time watching a movie with spatial audio, and it really added an extra level to the experience. After six hours of usage, the battery is still at 66%. So unlike the AirPods Pro and performing the single pod charging dance, yeah, I know it, where you swap out the one pod at a time, the, these batteries last all day. Is it worth $600 after tax? I haven't had over-the-ear headphones since 2010 when my Bose QC2 died. So not being in a place to really replace anything else or compare... I feel like I like them quite a bit. I feel okay about them. <laughs> so there you go, Mike. He feels okay about them. I think he's still a little sour about the cost, but functionally they work pretty well from for traveling. So there you go. Now you have a justification to pick some up. No, I'm going all Windows these days, so I'm getting the uh, Surface Pods. Right. You got to get those Surface, the Surface ones. Wait, is that a, is that a real thing? I, I think they do have a pair of headphones. I, I was making a joke that they just copy Apple, but Jesus, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they do. Did I accidentally slam Microsoft? And I really don't mean to. I'm sorry, Beelzebub. I apologize. Yeah. Well, hey, if you're doing, if you're going all in on the .NET, how come you didn't get a Surface Book for the, for for the kind of ThinkPad money you just dropped on that carbon? You could probably get yourself a pretty nice Surface Book. Do you want the joke reason or the real reason? Well, I both. I suppose. No, I want to know why because they seem like they're decent computers now. That keyboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's better than happiness or positive forward goals in your life. That keyboard <laughs> is what dreams are made of. Yeah. It's the Maltese Falcon of keyboards. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think they've actually gotten worse over the years myself, but they they still are coming from a place of being pretty good. This is where Chris is trying to figure, is Mike joking or is he going psycho? Like he's No, I mean, I, I agree they're good keyboards. So, well, I'm assuming it's as good as the other Lenovo that is going to one of my employees, right? Now, if it is not, believe me, there will be hours of coverage on this one keyboard. Special breaking edition of the Coda Radio program, breaking it midweek with a special edition just to cover the keyboard. I will fly to China and probably get shot, but I will fly to China to scold the keyboard engineer. Could you imagine flying for that long? I just, people that do that, you're like... For a bad keyboard? People are, that can fly for that long are a different breed. I just couldn't do it. I could do anything to scold someone ruining the ThinkPad keyboard. Yeah, I guess. When you're really, when you, when you got a passion project like that. No, 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 no. I Stop. I am like the Liam Neeson of keyboards, okay? You have a set, certain set of skills. I have no skills. I'm just a <laughs> maniac. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're like Liam News. You're like Liam Neeson with no skills. None. I can barely zip my fly. But if if they ruin my favorite keyboard, all of a sudden I become Ra's al Ghul. I, I heard the news that ThinkPad, uh, the ThinkPad keyboard's coming out with this new design called the I think it's called the Butterfly keyboard. You're gonna love it. I have never heard a more hateful piece of content in my life. <laughs> Twitter's gonna ban us for hate speech. <laughs> I think I, honestly, I'm gonna call Tim, and that's it. We're off. We're yeah. done. The whole all of JB is gone because you had to say that slur. Man, there goes that new podcast membership deal that I was working with them on. Although you know that uh, Apple really is like settling butterfly lawsuits now, right? Yeah, that's true. I we should we should come up with them. Maybe that'd be a good like finance strategy for the show. I have enough of them if they could only ignore the uh, very obvious liquid damage. 
Linode.com slash Coder. You know, Linode is the largest independent cloud computing provider. They've been around since 2003, and they have focused on making their product fantastic. They're easy to use, and they have a powerful cloud dashboard. I talk about their servers a lot because we use the snot out of Linode servers. I generally deploy on their East Coast and their Texas server, and for my personal stuff, I deploy in California. But they've actually got 11 data centers around the world, super fast connections, really fast. Years ago, Linode became their own ISP. By the way, just kind of like a side advantage of being around forever on the internet and before AWS even started, is you can do things like you become your own ISP. They're just doing the stuff that makes their service even better, whatever it takes. And one of the things I love that can change your game is their simple one-click application deployments. If you want to just get something up and running really quick with a great default setup, maybe it's just a base system with containers that are ready to go, and then you'll just go pull down the containers you want specifically, or maybe you want the full stack. They've got a whole bunch to choose from. Also, they've got some personal systems like gaming systems and file sync systems that you might just want to use for yourself. And with their whole range of prices, and they're generally 30 to 50% cheaper than the other cloud providers out there, there's something that's going to work for you. So go get that $100 credit by going to linode.com slash coder. Go sign up for a new account. Go to that URL, get the credit, and try it out for 60 days because there's a lot to do, including S3-compatible object storage, which could be a great way to do some configuration backup to the cloud or run a static website. There's a lot you can do there. And you can try it all out in their really easy-to-use dashboard. It's simple, it's powerful, and you're going to love it. It's just one thing you got to do. You just got to go to linode.com slash coder. Get that $100 in 60-day credit, and, of course, you support the show. Linode is dedicated to offering the best in virtualized cloud computing. So go to linode.com slash coder, support the show, and get that $100. What do you think about covering this uh, question we got on Twitter? And it really comes down to why is recruitment in tech just such a freaking disaster? We had somebody, Henry, tweet us. He says, I was recently brought into a firm. I was told by the CTO during hiring that I was going to be the sole developer and I'd have free choice of technology. Now I learned that they're telling me to use Node plus Express plus Mongo monoliths. Why, oh, why? Well, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening until I heard Node and, and Mongo. <laughs> and then I, my heart literally stopped and I started bleeding. Have you ever seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose? <laughs> You're all with the stories and movies tonight. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of blood, man. That's, uh... <laughs> no, we don't start on time. I just really lose control. Uh, yeah, no, just, um, well, if you need the money, take the money. But understand that when you're writing Node, you're doing a bad thing. When you're using MongoDB, definitely questionable. When you're doing both at the same time. It feels like a, he got a little bait and switch, eh? Well, of course, because no good developer would volunteer for that job. Right, don't tell him. No, because you're trying to get me to say something crazy, which I will gladly do. <laughs> would you like to be a guard at Stalag 13? No, I don't think so. Would you like to be an officer in our, in our military? Yes. Congratulations, you're the commandant. No, that's bad. See, I wasn't sure if you were going to take the route of, of course, he should just do whatever they want because he took the job. But you're right. They totally bait and switched him. There are certain things we don't do for money. One of them is JavaScript on the server. I know. We've talked about this. I should know better. And I, I've spent, we've been doing this show for, are we on our 13th year yet? I think it's like our 100th year, man. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I, we don't even sound like the same people anymore. It's been so long. The only thing I haven't changed my mind on is one, <laughs> no needs to C. fix it okay the 
One of the seven things. things I haven't changed my mind. <laughs> All right. The seven holy grails. JavaScript does not belong on the goddamn server. I did it once and it cost me a fortune. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. If you need the money, understand that you're screwing over your employer. And that's fine. Listen, if they're dumb enough to buy that, then they deserve what they get. They're probably running Zeus on the server too if they're that dumb. Let's be honest. Seriously? <laughs> you want to go here? You want to you want to do this, Bucko? I can't help it. You got me riled up. I can't help it now. You got me all riled up. Oh yeah, they're so dumb because they're running a stable operating system, not like some like Ubuntu where Canonical's like, oh my god, we need money. We'll make a deal with anybody. Canonical's got to skirt up and its leg out to anybody. All of a sudden, they're best friends with Microsoft. At least I say that I'm a prostitute. That is a jackass. Even Barack can't save you this time. No, I mean, as you were, as you were. I mean, so you're right. So should he quit? No, of course not. Take the money when you would pie. <laughs> Take the money, but tell them, like, you should warn them that you're using deeply questionable language that is not meant for backend technologies. And if you're using Node, that is a single uh, threaded in situation, which is exactly what you don't want for... <laughs> I know somebody's going to send in, well, these high-activity websites. Yeah, I know, but it's a pain in the ass to get it to work. Also, Mongo? Yes, let's make our application faster by doing magical things that like kind of work, but you know, are dangerous and have some questionable ethics behind them. That's your another Half-Life reference. Or you could use a good database. The answer to your problem is Postgres. And MySQL, if you are old and like PHP. But Postgres... Just Postgres. Good old, classic, reliable, stable. I don't wanna I don't wanna hear about Cassandra. I don't wanna hear about Pollyanna. I don't wanna hear about Suzy Q. I don't wanna hear about Mongo. No. Some of those were made up. Don't bring don't bring any of those up, especially the Suzy Q one. That gets me so fired up. Postgres, in fact, has some of the definitely questionable features that Mongo brought to the world because it was <sighs> They had to. They were forced. Their hand was forced. What could they do? Because jackasses in California decided, yeah. why should we have data integrity? No, let's just pin our data to a table and give it a night or I'll never forget. That is, uh, I should attribute that, extra normal, great videos. And I agree with them, except on their Ruby thing. Ruby's great. They're just wrong. Hmm. Everything about what you said is bad. So clearly he takes them for everything they're worth while looking for a new job. Is that what you're saying? I mean, because they're, they're never going to be successful, so... Yeah, right, right. This is Karen Eber's questions to ask next time. And you tell me what you think of these. Number one, the number, this is what the, the person getting hired, you know, when they, when they say, do you have any questions for us? Which is always like the hardest things. Like, what the hell do you say? Here's what you say. You ask them, how did you start your last team meeting? Cause you're trying to get a sense like for what kind of, what, yeah, what kind of place it is. All right. Here's another one. Number two, do you fully disconnect during the holidays and vacations? Mm, I mean, even if the answer is yes, they're never going to say yes. I yeah, think. yeah, they're going to say yes. But, you know, it's, it's, although you might be able to get a read. Well, I see where she's going, but. Yeah, you might be able to get a read. Like, uh, I know one time I had a new boss come on the scene who was like an always connected, always online, and then expected you to be online. And I wish I had known that because, you know, I found out the hard way. Here's number three. I don't know if I, I love this one because this also seems like they'd kind of dodge. But number three, describe a recent success or win. That's a question you're asking them. Okay, could you could you describe to me one of your team's recent successes or wins is the question you would supposedly ask. Ah, I don't know. I mean, because the manager would feel they couldn't bash on a teammate even if the teammate forked up, right? 
But I like it. I kind of like it. But here's the problem. When you're hiring, and if you're me, which that's a set of, that's almost like using Node and Mongo at the same time. That's just a bad set of constraints. <laughs> the thing I'm looking for in an interview is this asshole going to sue me. Hmm. So someone who's asking me these tough questions, I don't care how good you are. I don't want you. Yeah. You, do, the, you might be able to get away with telling me how you started your last team meeting, but it's actually such a... No, that's perfectly cool. I actually like that question. But they like, tell me the last time you... But you could see it, even that would be like, what? Oh, um, uh... No, really? What's wrong with that? Like, I could say we talked about our weekend, right? Like, that's what we usually do. We talked about, you know, we all have kids. So. It's just it's just so unusual. Is it? See, I have never been on the other side of the coin, except for like down back in 1874 when Objective C was popular. Yes, yes, yes. Back in my day. I would say we both agree. Try to ask the tell me how you started your meeting one. So what was the next question? Well, they have a couple other ones I just don't really like a lot. Like, uh, uh, tell me a, tell me about a time a team member changed your mind or what's your ideal person for this role? I can tell you about a time. I had a team member who sent uh, racially insensitive comments to a customer and he changed my mind about his employment. <laughs> That's nice. easy. Next. Next question. <laughs> Who have you promoted and why? I promoted someone because they did a good job. And why is because they did a good job. So well, that's yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. OK, and here's the last one. And again, these last few, I don't really think these are going to work, but I get where they're going. I get where Karen's going with this. My jerk off uh, white guy answers are going to be great. So let's go. How do you focus on your own growth and development? My growth is not your concern. Next. <laughs> Well, that doesn't help us here, does it? Uh, that uh, <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's probably what they would say, right? I'm the president of the company. That is my answer, right? Yeah, that's true. I, I could kind of see that. There was one I left out, but I do now looking at the list, I see here's one last one. Tell me about a disagreement or conflict on the team one time. Interesting. I actually like this one. I, You know what? I would have to pick. There's too many to count, but like we've changed in all our wars of hybrid mobile platforms. There's been many. It would take more time to think of a good answer to that. But definitely, um, yeah, particularly in terms of, actually, I would say Java. I forget the hybrid stuff, JavaScript frameworks. In fact, we covered it on the show, the Vue versus Angular fight versus mm. React. It was mostly Vue versus Angular. That was brutal. That was, like, at some point, that started getting weirdly personal. Like, people started getting taking. Yeah, that's actually a good question. So I actually don't think these are all bad. I mean, would I actually answer them honestly? Of course not, but I don't know. You still might be able to get something out of the answers people give you to those. Well, what I would get out of someone who asked me these questions is that I'm not going to hire them. But hey, listen, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> right. Well, I was just, you know, I was trying to think of what to do for our, our poor tweeter, who uh, Henry, who tweeted us. Henry, can I, can I give you some advice? If you're working for a small or looking to work at a small business, the thing that person is most afraid of is getting sued by his employees. And any employee that looks like a troublemaker is not going to get hired. Yeah, that's probably very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Chris, come on, back me up, right? Someone who, who like gives you attitude on the interview. that You're not going to be impressed. You might be like, wow, they have skills. But also, I mean, you have a team of 17 lawyers, so you're like, whatever. Well, no, it's it's um, it's about well, it, it's kind of along the same lines of picking a good lawyer is an extremely expensive decision, and it's one you do right. Hiring a bad employee is the same thing. You weigh a lot of pros and cons when you do it. They're very expensive and they're necessary business things that you have to do. But and uh, it's a very expensive thing, and it's not just cost of like wage. It's it's equipment cost. It's training time. It's integration time. It's 
any mistakes that get made while that person's coming up to speed that have to be dealt with that affect the business in some way, which always happens. Um, all that stuff factors into the cost. So I will tell you the worst. I've only had two employees that I've ever fired. One actually did the thing I said, some really insensitive things to someone that's just like, when I say insensitive, I mean like outright just bad. You're fired. Goodbye. Go fork yourself. The other one just couldn't admit that he made a mistake. Then he made the same mistake again. And it cost, it wasn't like Windows Phone 8 money. There you go, Chris. I gave it to you. Gave it to you. Good old times. But it was, you know, it was certainly more than a bar tap. So, and he was kind of a prima donna. I got to tell you, I don't hire prima donnas. So if somebody came to me, I like some of these questions, but if somebody came to me, we're a small company with these kind of questions. Some of them would have been okay, but like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't care how well you did on the programming test. You're not getting a job because you're, you know, you're not going to meld with the team. You're not going to be a team player. You know, what does work. And of course, this sounds self-serving, but I, I hear this a lot from the audience is when the interviewee is asked, what do you do to, you know, train up and, 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 and stay with when people say podcasts, I listen to podcasts. Uh, it counts, you know, because I think that shows that people are. Yeah, but that's, that, that backfires because when they say they listen to stuff like Linux Action News. Yeah, well, then they don't get the job. Yeah, obviously. Well, they get fired on the. Sp- I mean, they don't even get the job. I mean, no, they get they they call the police. They escort them out the building. The worst. And they're like, oh, I listen to this great coding podcast called ATP. And I just like, get the f- out like it's just <laughs> and I sit there like I, I'm like a little dog waiting for a treat. Any any other coding podcast you listen to <laughs> i kind of put my coder radio you know coaster like i kind of push it forward any any others like no you know but it does it demonstrates that somebody has enough interest that they're going out and seeking out content and listening to it and that's a good i think that's a good data point for a hirer to say oh this person is actually interested not if it's a- atp or developing perspective or yeah I mean, let's be honest our show right that's a bad sign <laughs> <laughs> There's cursing in that podcast. Did the man who used to write Objective C and had his life destroyed by Swift get upset? <gasps> you know, Tim Cook emails me every week. Michael, the APIs are the same. If you would calm down and get off that goddamn Lenovo, just like open Xcode once, you would see it. Yeah, but then he leaves sent from my iPad in the signature, and that's just so lazy. No, it's worse. He says sent from my Apple car. I'm like, Uncle Tim, is that true? And he's like, <laughs> wink. Honestly, if I was a higher up Apple exec, I totally would change my signature to say sent from Apple car. I mean, why not? Have some fun with it. You know, just have some fun with it. We are way over, but WWC is coming. I just want to take an Apple tangent. Okay, go ahead. No. As I said last week, I don't believe it's like physics wise viable to get the batteries that small to make functional um, AR glasses. But if they can... That is going to be an iPhone level event. You know how you do it is by making the phone do all the CPU tasks and just it's a Bluetooth connection back to the. That's still it's still a lot, though. I thought about it when you said that last week. That's still I mean, think about it. Just the visual rendering to have it not be crap. Remember, you don't want it to be crap because you'll damage people's eyes. Yeah, that's why I think you got to figure it's going to start as more like a headset. I don't know. I mean, the. But I've seen, uh, so I think we talked about last week, Microsoft has a contract with the U.S. Army for the HoloLens, and they do some manufacturing stuff. I have seen some very impressive, and our .NET joking aside about me selling my soul to Satan, the Microsoft AR stuff is super impressive, but they're Microsoft. 
they couldn't sell crack to a crackhead in the consumer space. If Apple can somehow just like break into their labs, steal the HoloLens, make it less Blade Runner-y and go on, it would be... Maybe. They'd do an App Store model. They'd make the whole thing just to sell apps, dude. The whole thing at the end of the day just be to sell apps. Yeah. But see, 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 see uh, all right. I love apps. I did well in the App Store way back when. I got to tell you, the App Store is a waste of time. Like, but that's how they would do if, That's how they do glasses. You can't App Store enterprise software. You just can't. I agree. They might do some sort of management distribution for that. Yeah, but they try to tag. Uh, okay, there is a long conversation for next week about how Apple deals with developers deal with the enterprise. Datadog.com slash Coda Radio. Analyze code level performance across your environment and troubleshoot issues faster with Datadog. Datadog has this continuous profiler that automatically collects profiles from your production servers all the time. So you can go back like a time wizard at any point and quickly analyze your data. Only instead of doing it with your hands like a wizard, you're doing it with the mouse and their dashboard. Get a unified picture of your environment by correlating code performance metrics with your other monitoring data in real time. I'm talking full stack. Log management also worked in there with that continuous profile. You can check application performance, server performance, site performance. Get it across the whole picture of time and bring it all together with their beautiful live dashboards. You can pinpoint the cause of issues fast, communicate the problem, and identify future problems and make decisions as well. So go try Datadog's products for free for 14 days by visiting datadog.com slash coderadio. And for a limited time, if you start a free trial and create one dashboard, you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. Yeah, that's right. I said swag. (laughs) So you got to go to datadog.com slash coderadio. That does three things. You get that free 14-day trial. You get in there, you create a dashboard, you get a t-shirt, and you support the show. So that's datadog.com slash coderadio. So David writes in, I know you guys have been thinking and talking about the Epic versus Apple battle and its long-term ramifications for the developer market. I know that Epic isn't necessarily one of those companies that's fighting for good given their emails. However, do you think that Apple basing the iPad Pro now on the M1 changes things? When phones and tablets were introduced, they're not they were not considered general computing devices. They had these low-end custom processors, and they were not expected by law or practice to offer any way to install software outside the App Store. But now, now the iPad has an M1, which could technically make it a general computing device, no? And if that's true, that changes the implications for what that expectation is and may have ramifications for Epic's case. Perhaps Epic could argue that now that the iPad Pro has a desktop class processor, it is essentially a general computing device, yet runs the same iPad OS, which locks it down. This would imply that the iPad should be considered a general computing device and that the stranglehold that Apple has been installing and insisting on would have to be removed and that it would have to be a fair marketplace model. And if it wasn't, it would be hurting the consumer. What do you think? I think you're insane. But David, I love you. I mean that. And keep listening and do buy a rope. If you And if you've already bought a rope, uh, send your email to Chris because, I don't know, he's sewing them by hand. So we're expecting a lot from either a judge who's probably 96 years old or the legislative branch who, I don't know if you've watched the news, but 
one of my is it Senator Gates, Congressman Gates? He's pretty busy with underage hookers. Oh yeah. Good old Matt Gates. Good old Matt Gates. So listen to Unfilter, by the way. Chris can't plug it, but I can because I <laughs> frankly I do whatever the fuck I want. So no. Your argument it's very well reasoned and just like simply wrong. Apple is going to do whatever they want to do until someone stops them. It is, makes no difference what chip is in the machine. That's my take. Actually, that seems to be Apple's take now. And this is something that Extreme Tech pointed out. It's a bit of a mind bender when you stop and think about it. Traditionally, every time you've bought a PC since PCs existed, the entire pricing structure was predicated around the CPU model. You know, are you getting the i5 model or are you getting the i7 model? But now what Apple has done is if you want to buy a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro, Apple will sell you one with an M1. If you want to buy a Mac Mini, you get an M1. If you want the iMac or the new iPad Pro, you get an M1. Apple is saying that the right CPU for a $700 computer and the right CPU for a $1,700 computer is the same chip. It's the right chip if you want maximum battery life, and it's the right chip if you want optimal CPU performance. It's the same chip across the board, which is slightly different cooling differences that affect performance. And they're not basing the price on the CPU anymore. There are other differences, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what makes the price difference now. But now it's but it's the same CPU and the same RAM across the board now. It's a kind of a big change in pricing. It's not. I'm going to fight you a little bit on the same RAM. And also, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, the okay, fine. I'm going to be an Apple fanboy for a second. The problem is the M1 is such a leap forward that Apple can get away with a bunch of nonsense right now. Yeah. Give it five years. And we're gonna see M1s, M2s, M3. Like the well, I mean, give it till the next next M1 revision. Like the M1X comes out, it's not gonna seem like such a big deal that there's an M1 in the iPad when there's M1Xs out there. No, it's 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 not gonna be the next revision. You're under you're underestimating. It's gonna be longer than that. Yeah, it's still gonna look. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it'll be years while it still looks weirdly impressive. Right now, Apple has leaped forward, and this is a guy who's doing a bunch of Windows work. So, and believe me, if it wasn't. If it didn't make sense for me to be working in Windows with a heavy use of WSL, which we can talk, you can talk about today, but we'll talk, I'll talk about it next week. I would still be on the MacBook Air, which I'm on right now because for some reason Windows couldn't figure out where the hell my microphone was, or maybe I don't know how to use Windows, whatever. But the M1 is kind of a, it's a, what do you say? It's a sun shower event, right? Where it's so much better than what came before that Apple's getting murder right now. But in a couple years, we're going to see differentiation. It's yeah. not going to be one year. It's, it's going to be, I would say, I think five, Chris says three. And you know what? I think, or Chris didn't say three, but I think three is more fair. Chris is right. It's not, five years is forever, right? I mean, I'm on this MacBook Air. Let me tell you, there is no fan. I'm streaming. I have three browsers open. I have Slack open. I actually didn't even realize I I have Visual Studio Code open with a Flask app running in the background. And then I have three terminals running Postgres. <laughs> and there has been no degradation, right? Like it's the M1 is just silly. 
Yeah, and they know it. Apple is getting all of the recognition. That's why they call it an M1 and the iPad Pro. They could have called it an A14X. They could have called it the A15. It's just branding. They're trying to tie it to the to the rifle, right? M1 Grand. For the, you know, the, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not joking. I really think they are. No, no. I think they're trying to tie it to just all of the success and, and hype they're getting around the M1. They just want to ride that train. So much so that they're willing now to just immediately blur the product naming line just to just to capitalize on the momentum of the successful branding. No, I think it's the it's the same chip. No, I I, I believe it, but I believe that if no, but I'm saying the original name of the M1 and the MacBook Air was because of, I think because of the I could be wrong. I have no basis for this, but the M1 Springfield, right? The M1 Grand. That doesn't seem like Apple, but you might be right. Yeah, but Tim Cook would kill anybody for a buck. I mean, come on. That's true. Here's the question I'd love to have answered: Does the M1 in the iPad Pro? have the same Intel extensions that the one in the Mac does to make Rosetta possible? Or is it actually running a different set of instructions? Is it truly the M1 SoC, or is it essentially the same CPU, so they're just calling it that? But it might not have all the Intel stuff on there, because why would they for an iOS device? Even if it has the extensions, they wouldn't allow it. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't let you use it. No, why? Of course. So what's the point? Why put the extensions in? So then it's not really truly the M1. I'm going to take your argument even further, since we're doing this extra long code radio today. I think the M1 and the iPad is artificially crippled by their policies. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If I could convince all of my customers that I just sold a bunch of crap to, not crap, but, you know, software, to run MacBook Airs with the, the M1, I would literally not give a about anything, right? I would just write software in the most sloppy way possible, and it would work. I mean, yeah, they wouldn't know. <laughs> they wouldn't <laughs> you know. know. They wouldn't know. I mean, Here's the thing. Here's the thing, too. You know, your your thing with that is the policies, the policies, the policies. And my thing with that is even once they fix the policies, the OS and the window management are still too weak. The policies, even with the, the A chips, those iPads have always been powerful. Oh, yeah. The first iPad Pro, yeah. For years. I mean, this has been my hobby horse for how many years? The problem with the iPad is not the processing power or the graphical engine. It's that Apple will just say no. Absolutely. I mean, we, we don't want to go into bitter mic. Here's I know. Here's my here's my last thing though. This drives me crazy. Is in the latest update to Big Sur, they now support dynamic mouse resizing of iOS applications that you run on M1s. So these M, these iOS applications that you run on the M1 desktop can. Support resizing with your mouse. You can have multiple iOS windows and you can resize them independently on the Mac desktop, but you can't do it on a 13-inch iPad. What don't you understand? That's intentional. I know it is, and that's why it makes me so cranky. (laughs) Fix that. Read my lips. They want to have a price differential between what they consider a, quote, computer and what they consider an appliance. But then don't call it the M1 then, because the M1, it just, it, it makes that expectation worse. Ugh. Because, you know, the next question is, why not just let me run macOS on the thing if it's got an M1 in it, right? You know, that's and they know they know that question's coming when they name it the M1. macOS needs to go. I, in fact, I, five years, there's no more macOS. They might call it macOS, but. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. It'll be like some sort of Rosetta layer of macOS compatibility. No, it'll be gone. <laughs> oh. oh. Well, at least Fedora will still be around. <laughs> Listen, I, I did spend a couple of days in Fedora. It was beautiful. It's too bad that I can't, you know. Change your background. Yeah, I know. I didn't say it. You want okay, so I went through the hassle and it truly is a hassle. 
to install the latest Windows 10 Insider builds. Oh, you're on Insider? Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, you're, you're, you're spicier than me. Go on, sir. Well, that's so that way I can get the latest and greatest WSL. And the spiciest diarrhea, yeah. Microsoft has improved some things here. The fact that you can actually get a Windows Insider ISO and you can download an ISO image from Microsoft, that is actually an improvement from the way things have been historically. So that was, that. you know, every time now, I know it's not new anymore. I know it's been like this for years, but every time I do it, because it's not very often, I still am like, wow, look at this. I'm downloading an ISO from, I'm downloading an ISO of Windows and it's legal. <laughs> like, it just feels great. So you install it. And of course, I have the X1 Carbon Gen 8. And of course, the SSD control in there is too new for Windows 10 to have a built-in driver, of course. And of course, Intel only certifies their driver for for specific released builds of Windows, so I had to go through this whole rigmarole to, to extract, and of course, oh, one more of course, of course, the download for the Intel driver is a .exe. So the only way I can extract it is by running the extractor in Wine, getting the files that I need, and then copying them over to a thumb drive. <laughs> it's just like it feels like the 90s. It's really rough. But then you get in there and like my Intel video card was just automatically detected and everything just set up just fine. I didn't really have to hassle with a single freaking driver for the most part once Windows Update did all of its things. And yeah, I could have installed more stuff for the Lenovo from the site, but I just thought, you know what, I'll just keep it basic. And I started using this new command line tool that Microsoft is working on for WSL. And it's just WSL and it's a simple, that you can find documentation on it. It's really simple and you can do things like WSL dash dash install. And the idea of this command is you go from a Windows 10 instance with no win- no WSL subsystem at all to just a fully set up and working. But it's not totally done yet. So it, it like gave me an error message and didn't give me a complete install. So I still ended up kind of installing things the traditional way and kind of doing some of that work, like going and getting my Ubuntu installed manually with this was supposed to do for me automatically. And so that stuff was kind of rough. But the experience immediately improves now with the new Windows terminal. They've really nailed it there. And the fact that you can have each tab have a different WSL instance. So you can have, I had SUSE and Ubuntu and Kali in a tab. I'm sorry, which one did you have in a tab? SUSE. It's this, it's this distribution I just love. I, I, I use it everywhere. I should, you should try it out. Soundboard. <laughs> and um, the, the reason I was doing this is now in the insider builds of Windows 10, WSL has added support for graphical Linux applications. Okay, but those don't exist. Well, you know, the classics, the, the classics that are made by the free hippies out there that uh, you get on your Linux desktops that guys like me feel at home on. Oh, yes. Tux Racer. Right? G-Edit, of course. You got to get G-Edit on there. Geary, which I think is great. <laughs> Geary just had a big update, actually. Geary 40 just came out with a better layout. They made it better by ripping my code out, yes. Short version of this is what Microsoft has done here is short, Short and sweet, it's amazing. That's my take on it. It's it's really incredible. Technically, what they're doing is they're taking a distribution, a CBL Mariner, that they've created for Azure for their Kubernetes instances. They've taken that distribution, as far as I understand it, and they have built on top of that Pulse Audio, a bunch of like the GTK and Qt library stuff, and a Wayland server, as well as a free desktop RDP. So what they do is they spin up a distro in real time when you launch a graphical WSL application. They spin up this distro, and then they use Weston and Wayland to communicate directly with a local RDP instance. 
they've sent the code upstream to uh, FreeRDP for to support this stuff. So they've upstreamed the code work they've done, and it it uses RDP to essentially tunnel the application's graphics back to the Windows host as it's right there on your Windows box, like all the other native applications, including a taskbar entry, the icon, everything. Even the drop shadow around the application is there. And they're using Wayland, which is ironic because it'll actually likely lead to application developers on the Linux desktop improving their Wayland support so that they're compatible with WSLG, which I just find ironic and juicy. But once you launch it, it's like it's a native application. It gets access to your local Windows file system if you want it to. And here's the best part, Mike. They have a library that's open source that scans the .desktop file of the Linux desktop apps, reads the path, the application icon, and then goes and creates all of the corresponding entries in the start menu for you for those Linux GUI apps. So for the user experience, it's go to the start menu, go to your programs menu or whatever it is now, and go to that icon and click it. And then it just does everything in the background and you just get an application up on your screen, all powered by WSLG. I mean, that's that's a great user experience, don't you think? I think it is. And meanwhile, they have a really nice, competent terminal where I've got three or four different distros running simultaneously. Isn't it nice to have your Unix software and an operating system that can run 97% of the software in the world? Well, and you, you see a really sweet workflow that they're doing now where they have like VS Code executing and building stuff in WSL and then displaying you the results on your Windows host. You mean what I was doing all day? Yeah, building Linux apps on Windows. It's crazy. It's almost like Windows is a super Linux distro. Who do we say the best Linux distro? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this. You get several Linux environments. You get Linux native Wayland applications. And you get the Adobe Suite compatibility. You get Steam and gaming compatibility, obviously. Like, there are a lot of perks to it. I I do totally appreciate the value it brings. This one doesn't bother me as much as the M1 does uh, because the Apple platform, that's a, that's a totally different platform. But this is, this is just more Windows users using Linux. No, it isn't. Because I'll tell you, man, I was, I was happy to be done after my weekend. I, I, Windows is still Windows, and it's, it's arcane in a lot of ways. And I was like, okay, see you later. And I just I walked away immediately. I was good. Will the senator from the great state of denial please yield his time? <laughs> But I really think, I mean, even if it means, you know, in the big grand scheme of things, Linux's success is in the server space. That's where Linux is king. That's what I was going to say. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I was going to talk about our friend Alan, right? You could be a open, and I know he's a BSD guy, but whatever. You could be a Linux guy and still work on the server. Actually, uh, Jay LaCroix, he actually just wrote uh, another edition of Mastering Ubuntu Server. The great guy, I met him at a... Oh my God, years ago at some System76, someone will tell me because I talked about it a bunch. Oh yeah, like the super fan stuff or something like that? Yeah, we, we were. I, they made me dress up like a hobbit and somebody else was an elf. It was weird, but... Yeah, they made you, yeah. I totally wasn't like <laughs> body checked in TSA dressed like a hobbit. And I said, unhand me, you bloody orc. And he said, sir, are you, are you making... I said, no, no, it was a racial thing. I'm sorry, officer. He made the point to me and I didn't like it. We had a private conversation um, where he was trolling me. So the trolling me part is fine. That I'm wasting my time buying powerful computers because all I'm doing is controlling powerful servers, right? You just need a terminal. Whether that terminal is Windows Terminal, which I mean the Windows Terminal app, not the C prompt, right? 
Mac terminal, which is, you know, ghetto Z. Well, it's, it's actually a good terminal now, uh, Z shell. Or, I mean, if you like broken things, something on Linux, unless you're using pop, which is great. Wow. <laughs> Although they should get rid of GNOME as quickly as they can. It's fine, right? Like you don't, you don't need a desktop. You don't need a tower unless you're Chris or you're me. In the broad strokes, I think you're 100% right, which is why it's funny. All of the little niddly, fiddly, nuancey convenience features turns out to be what makes all the difference when in the broad strokes, what you need is a terminal in the web browser. And that I find to be ironic and I think is why we have been chewing on tooling so much again recently is because it turns out that when that's the reality, almost the little details matter more than the big details in that way. Because in, in broad strokes... You could virtualize Linux on a Mac, you could run WSL on Windows, or you could just run the Linux desktop, because in broad strokes, you're probably going to, at the end of the day, it's the stuff running on the server that's making the money. But then it comes down to, well, how does it wake up? How does the security system work? How, how, how does it protect the end user? Or small things like, how does it work with a printer or a video camera or a mic interface? Printers haven't worked in 40 years, so. That kind of stuff all of a sudden matters a lot more in that reality. I, for myself, was like, I just don't like the way you have to manage Windows. And I think it comes down to, in part, of just sort of the design philosophy that of how Windows is created. I think it just doesn't really jive with the way I use computers. And so when, when my WSL experiment was done and I'd, I'd gotten what I wanted from the experience, I was like, okay, I'm, you know what, like, I feel good because I think it, it's maybe, yeah, maybe it keeps more people on Windows. But ultimately, I think if Windows bugs you, that's not going away. What it's more likely to do is give all of those dark matter developers out there that have been stuck on Windows because of corporate policy forever, they now have access to actually legitimate Linux tools. Not some half-baked implementation that's essentially reverse wine, but something that's really running the Linux kernel, gives you genuine environments supported by the upstream distributions, and now, very soon, unless you're on the insider build, but now, essentially, will give you access to graphical applications. So if you're listening to like your favorite Linux podcasts or development podcasts, and we happen to mention a Linux app, you don't have to be left out on that because you have access to Ubuntu's repos and SUSE's repos and Arch's repos and Debian's repos and Fedora's repos all on Windows. So like, I kind of wonder if it isn't just going to make more Linux fans long term, but I guess we'll just wait and see it. It may, it may steal a few Linux users too, it, it may, or it may just be a wash. But that M1 and that Mac platform... That's a different story because there your best option is virtualizing the ARM version of Linux, which fundamentally reduces your application compatibility and tool compatibility and doesn't likely reflect what you're going to be running in production in the cloud. The biggest threat to desktop Linux is not the M1. The M1 is the biggest threat to life on Earth as we know it because when it becomes <laughs> sentient and decides that we've treated it badly by running our stupid Electron apps, which were needlessly wasteful. Whoa. That's what that ML part of the chip does. Oh, I see. <laughs> Every time you launch Slack or Teams, it's just like, you son of a bitch. No. The reality is that when the M3 comes out, it'll have like a whole bio... It'll have like a biological part of it that is just part human, part machine. <laughs> There's no M4. <laughs> right. right. It ended at the M3. Or at least we did, and we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Up until recording this show, 
I had a fantastic day on Windows. And honestly, I'm going to say it was my fault that the Windows thing broke because I denied access at first to the microphone. Chris is going to choke me in Slack later. Well, no, you're not. People do that all the time accidentally because, you know, they're always popping up asking you crap constantly about cookies. Yeah, there's so much crap popping up. Yeah, yeah. No, guests do that all the time, and then it's a whole rigmarole to get out of it. And I restarted, but it wouldn't take it. It wouldn't pick up. Other than that issue, I had a wonderful 14-hour workday because I... I, you know, it's just today was a busy day um, working in Windows, doing mostly Linuxy work. And soon even Linuxy graphical work, if you want, <laughs> for some reason. Yes. If, if I, and if I ever do that, it's time to have me locked up. That's called the Baker Act. Time to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, anything you want to plug before we get out of here this week? Uh, yeah, I would like to plug. You should hire me for Windows development work or uh, server-side Python work. Right. I mean, now that he's got this Windows box, let's put it to use. Oh, I'm curious to know what you think about it. So do you know-ish-ish how long you're going to have to wait to get it, like a rough idea? I ordered it, paid for expedited shipping. They're like, oh, congratulations on your order. Five minutes later, we're experiencing unusual delays. We'll let you know. Yeah, everything's super delayed right now. My 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 ThinkPad was, and that was a while ago. But everything during the pandemic has been. Well, uh, when you do get it, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Also, should probably mention a new Coderly is out. If you are a Coder QA member, Mike and I have the Coderly report out and available for download in the feed or in your members' download area at coderqa.co. And honestly, if you're not, do you need to buy that much food a month? Right. I mean, it's not even that much, really. And, you know, it helps this show go. You get the limited ad feed and that Coderly. It's worth it for the Coderly. The Coderly is, uh, you thought this was a therapy session. Me and Chris just, we hold each other. Yeah. Wes has to actually end the show for us because we're just like. Wes basically has to just take care of the whole thing, you know. And if it wasn't for Drew doing the introductions, I, I don't know. I don't know where we'd be with that. Turned out, though. Thanks to those guys, it turned out. Wait, Drew is real? That are a very sophisticated AI running on a prototype M2 chip. I thought Thru was an M1.5. <laughs> he might be. I mean, have you heard those dulcet tones? Those can't be real. He scolded me for swearing not loud enough because it didn't pick up on the mic. And that's exactly the thinking of a machine. Well, if you're going to beep, you know, you want to beep with, the, with, some, with some humor. and you get to so You're going to say that Intel is permanently f***ed. You need to say it. With passion. Right. And you want you want that F in that in that beep. You know, you want part of the you you know for the It needs effects. to be a hard F, not a f it needs yeah. to be a f like all the way. <laughs> uh, you can find our sponsor at Cloud Guru on social media, just slash a cloud guru, just about anywhere that's uh, like a website, you know, like YouTube or the Twitters or any of it. Pornhub. Probably not. You could find Mike on Twitter. He's at Dumanuku. His company's at the Mad Botter Inc. I'm at Chris LAS. I think. I don't really tweet much, but I do try to read my ads and reply, you know, like a gentleman. The network's at Jupiter Signal, so that's there if you want network news. The show? Yeah. Yeah, how'd you know? The show's on Twitter, too. Isn't that crazy? At Coder Radio Show. Links to what we talked about today? Yeah. Not on Twitter, though. Those are on our website, coder.show slash 411. You also find our contact form there if you want to get a hold of us, because that's a big part of the show. We love your feedback, our feeds, all of that. And then join us for the live show, Coder Happy Hour, Mondays, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern at jblive.tv. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program, and we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>